one. All right, guys, uh, here we are on Immigration and Travel Podcast. Um, I'm very excited to have uh, today's guest on the show, who is Zhu Ling. Um, she's originally from China, and she's currently in Alexandria, Egypt. Um, for those who don't know and aren't very good with cities and capitals and locations, Alexandria's like the Mediterranean city of Egypt. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Shu Ling um, <clears throat> at a social event. Uh, and we've been staying in touch um, through our both of our separate travels. I know that she went to Iraq for a while, which I'm very interested in hearing on a separate occasion. Uh, because in this occasion, um, something, some, some events just unfolded um, in Tunisia, right? So you, you were trying to go to Tunisia. And uh, I mean, just tell us, tell us what happened. Yeah, so basically last Saturday, um, my partner and I uh, organized a trip to Tunisia. So we're planning on spending a week there. So basically our plan was to be there on Saturday and then come back the next Saturday. However, we landed in Tunisia uh, when we were at the immigration border. My partner got through easily as he is a French citizen. Um, and they stopped me and they said, where is your visa? And I was like, hold on. I had a look on Wikipedia, on Google, on Chinese official website and Tunisian immigration website. And I did not see a single word that mentioned that Chinese citizen would need a visa because wherever I looked, it says that Chinese citizen doesn't need a visa to stay in Tunisia up to three months, 90 days. And they were like, no, 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 you need a visa. So they sent me to a visa office-like place and then I gave them my passport. I said, maybe there's a mistake. They said that I need a visa, but apparently I had to look that I don't need a visa. And then she had a look at my passport. She's like, China? I was like, yeah, China. And then she had a look and she's like, you need a visa. And I was like, uh, wow, how am I supposed to get it now? Like, there's no way I'm gonna get a visa now. And she's like, okay, wait. So they sent me to a corner, sit down, and among with me, there are some people from other African countries. I think some are Senegalese, and there is one dude from Comoros Island. So we're like all waiting together. And I waited for one and a half hours. And during this time, I was alone because my partner made it out and he couldn't come back. But then he, he was waiting for me for too long. So I think after one hour or two, he came back with our luggage and everything. So he went to speak to those people at the office. And then they said, no, no, you have to wait because she does not need a visa. And they're talking to their interior administration and foreign administration, see if they allow her to enter without, without a visa. And then we waited for another two hours um, in that corner. And then one dude came out and he said, um, we rejected your entry. You're refused. So you're facing immediate deportation. And I was like, wait, hold on. I did not understand what just happened because if you look at the phone, so I was about to show him what's written on the phone. As I look at this, it's an all in French. And this is that I do not need, do not need a visa. And he refused to look at my phone and he refused to talk to me. And he would only speak to my partner in French at the time and tell him that I am facing immediate deportation and there's nothing that we can do. And then I got really angry. I was like, oh, we booked our hotel. We booked another ticket back. And what are we supposed to do now? Like, how are we going to go back? What about tickets? And he was like, okay, come follow me. So I thought when he said he would, uh, when 
when he asked us to follow him, I thought, okay, maybe he is going to find a way to help us. But then he took us up to this little room, like a prison-like room, but it's like a transit zone. But a lot of people who are facing deportation are, st are staying in that room. So he's like, okay, come here and stay here. They will take care of your problem. And after he finished the sentence, he just left. And then he locked the door and left and left us with all those people that we didn't know. And I started about, about how many about how many people do you think were in, in that place? So at the time I spoke to there were four or five Senegalese students and there were a group of um, tourists from Ivory Coast who are facing exact the same issue as I did. And I think there are some other transiting passengers. So I would say probably about 30 people in that room at the time. And most of them are from African countries. And so I, I, I know you, you, so you put out a statement on Instagram, <clears throat> which I read in its entirety. Um, and I think that the, the gist of it is you, you believe you're being targeted for your nationalities, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. So that's what happened later on. So that was when we already accepted the fact that we are going to be deported. So we asked those people who work there, we're like, okay, so we're going to be deported, then get out, get us out here as soon as possible so that we don't have to stay here for too long. They said, okay, the next flight is 1150 tomorrow morning. And at the time, it was like 4pm like uh, in Tunisia and we're like uh, we don't want to wait for this long how about you book us uh, on a different flight maybe we can fly to Dubai to Qatar like as soon as possible they said yeah sure but then in that case you have to pay for your own flight and you can only book with either Tunisian air or France air you can't book any other airlines if you want to fly to a different country and we're like, this is unbelievable. And we didn't want to spend any more money on Tunisian government. So we're like, okay, let's wait. And after a couple of hours, two, um, two Indian passengers came. So they were having the same issue as I did as well. So they were sent here to be deported. So they and were new one, ones. So you were there and then they came as, so they had just been put in. Yeah, they kept sending new people in. They kept wow. sending new people in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were like waiting at that place for about 20 hours. And then during this time, they sent so many people in and most of them are facing deportation. But not a single one of those people um, was from what you'd consider like a European country. And they were from nations that are considered third world or I mean, oh, yeah. what do you think? What do you think? How do you think you guys were classified? And I know that in your statement, you were you were. Uh, like the, the other members of the group were saying, hey, look, like, I know you might think that we are, or actually, I, I want you to tell me before we I, I talk about the other stuff. I know that there was a statement by an official that was made to you about taking their jobs in Tunisia. Is that correct? Yes, 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 100%. That happened later on uh, after that they refused to give us any food or water. And so basically what happened was like we went to speak to those two Indian uh, citizens and they were also very confused of what happened. And, um, and while we were waiting, we we're also asking them what about food and water? They said uh, there is no food and water. You can give us money to buy food or water. But it turns out one small bottle of water costs five euros and they only accept Tunisian dinar, euros and Emirati dinar. 
seminars and we didn't have any of them. And my partner had probably five euros on him. So we spent that five euros on a small bottle of water and then we didn't have any other uh, money to buy food. So um, one of the Indian guys lives in, uh, the, um, in Abu Dhabi. So he has some uh, Emirati dinars. So he gave one of the officials 200 dinars to buy uh, pizza and two cans of coke and then it turned out to be very expensive pizza and he didn't get much change back um but then after that we were still like feeling hungry so we were so you're asking say, are, you, are you saying that the pizza was less than the the, the money they were giving back and then well, they, they well, to be honest, I can't I, I can't say anything for sure because I did not have a chance to go to the restaurant to see how much that pizza was. But all true. I can say was but all I can say was it was very expensive pizza. Okay. Yeah, that's so, crazy. So yeah, and then while we were waiting, um, there's another Filipino passenger coming in. So he wasn't going to be deported. So he was just transiting in Tunisia. So he was normal, but they still took his passport away. But he had the right to go into the terminals to eat food and to buy water and stuff like that. So he had the freedom to go oh, out. Wow. And yeah, so basically it's like a tiny little transit room and all the people that are facing deportation are kept here. But then if you pass the security check, which is like three meters away, and then you can go into the terminal and then it's like full of restaurants and shopping malls and everything, basically everything. And we are not able to go there because uh, we are there illegally, basically, and they didn't allow us to go there. But then this Filipino passenger could go. So we saw him. So we're, we're, we told him our situation and we're like, could you please go and get some food for us and we will right. give you the money. Um, but after one of the officials saw what we were doing there, he stopped that Filipino passenger from going into the terminal as well. Really? Which yeah, which definitely infuriated everyone over there. Um, so one of the Indian guys, he went to the official. He's like, give us one reason, one reason why we cannot go to the terminal to eat food, why we do not have the right to eat food. He said, okay. So the official said, he said, you want a reason? Hold on for a second. So he started like going through everyone's passport there and he found his passport. He's like, this is your passport, right? You're Indian, right? Okay, the reason is you're Indian, he's Indian and she's Chinese. You guys are here to take our jobs. I can't let you go. Oh my God, I can't believe it's, they're so, yeah, that's just ridiculous that, I mean, we know that in the world, there's people that, are ignorant and that say things like that. And well, I, I don't know if I would call this individual ignorant. He works in immigration customs in Tunisia. So his job is to stop people who aren't supposed to be there from coming in or to regulate that, but to actually say that. <laughs> and yeah. and yeah. it's, it's just <laughs> so offensive. Like how did you feel in that moment? We were so angry because never have I ever in my entire life faced such blunt discrimination before. And for me, um, I also wrote down in my story, like, I just didn't know how to feel because it was like literally first time in my life. Well, I mean, I have faced racism, sexism before and wherever I lived, but such blunt discrimination, no, for the first time in my life.
And, and that's something that I wanted to, to ask you about is you are from China and um, I've never been to China and uh, I don't know. China is just such a talked about nation in so many different ways, their politics, their economy, their people, to everything. I mean, there's so many stories that come out of China every single day, but something I haven't really heard of much uh, because maybe I haven't looked for it. Um, is how how has the treatment of Chinese people been? And and I'm asking you specifically because you've been traveling through the pandemic, right? So we know that the the the, the virus originated in, in China. So how has the treatment of Chinese uh, people been? Uh, not just you, but have you heard other people and how they've been treated? Oh sure. So well, now I think it's getting a bit better. But I I remember when COVID just started, I wasn't in China. I was still living in Russia back then. And then when COVID just started, I was hearing a lot of things about Russians attacking Asian-looking people. Um, wow. It's not even just Chinese. So like Koreans, Japanese, or even Asian looking Russians, they got attacked in the city where I was living, which is Moscow. So a lot of girls um, I heard that were attacked, they were like a push down the hallway or like uh, some people like spat on their face or I I've never witnessed any of that, but I heard stories. Um, and also like uh, there were times people would say like, where's your mask? You know, like people would say things like that to me. Um, sometimes it's a joke, but sometimes they really mean it. I couldn't really tell. And it happened in my university at the time as well. People would ask me, where's your mask? Um, Just you specifically. Yeah, they asked me. Well, but I was like the only Chinese person in that class. So when they saw me, they would, they would it doesn't ask matter me. though. Like there was no actual enforcement of mask at the time. The, the people before oh, yeah. this whole thing was enforced were telling you to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah. But well, the thing is, at the time that Europe didn't have COVID. So it was like the very, very beginning of COVID. So um, there weren't any cases in Russia. So when they saw me, they would be like, where's your mask? Because I'm Chinese, they would assume that I just came back from China or something. But um, but then I uh, I traveled to Saudi Arabia during pandemic. Well, like it wasn't um, it wasn't in Saudi either. It was only in China. It just started. And some Saudi local people, they would say like, don't come into my shop because she's Chinese. Or they would ask me like, are you Chinese? I would be like, yeah, I'm Chinese. Like, oh okay. my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Some people, but uh, there are also a lot of nice people. They would come to me and ask me like, how's the situation in China? Are your family okay? Is everyone okay? So yeah, yeah. So it's different in general, but I definitely feel like we're attacked when the pandemic just started. So you were living in Russia during the pandemic or when it's when yeah. it started? How long have, how long were you living there? I, I guess kind of give me a summary of your life. Like you were born in what city and what, what age did you move and stuff like that? Right. So um, I was born in a small city in China in South, which is called the Zunyi. It's um, the nearest city is Chengdu. Maybe some people know. So I was born there and I lived there until I was 18 years old. Uh, and then I went to Russia, went to Moscow to study for my bachelor's degree. So I stayed in Russia for five years until 2020. Which, then by the way, I'm, I know you speak perfect Russian or at least very, very fluent Russian, right? Yeah, I speak Russian as well because I studied in Russian in Russia. So Ooh, that's incredible. Your English is beautiful. I'm sure your Chinese is perfect. And on top of that, I, th I think when we met, you were uh, very, very um, 
um, into learning Arabic? How, how did that turn out? Or how is that? Yeah, well, out? well, still learning, still learning. I would yeah. say I'm uh, making progress, but it's a very difficult language. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> all these languages yeah. are extremely difficult. You're choosing like language um, roots from all over the place. You know, I speak English and Spanish. You know, so many words can be like, uh, you know, uh, we share the roots. The, the, the roots are, are, are shared and, and you can see where it derived from. It's Latin or Germanic language. But you go in Russian, Chinese, Arab. I mean, you have a special skill. <laughs> sure. But I mean, after learning a lot of languages, you would actually realize that uh, it's getting easier and easier to learn different Ooh. languages because you find similarities everywhere. Okay. Okay. So you studied in, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to put like a chrono chronological order into your life. So how old are you now? I'm 23. Okay. So you were, you, okay. So yeah, you just moved, uh, you were um, in Russia at 18 and then I guess it was this year that you left, right? Uh, yeah, well, actually I went back to China for a bit because of pandemic. So basically uh, in 2020, in summer, I went back to China for a while and planning on going back to Russia. But then because of COVID and stuff, I couldn't go back. So I kind of stayed in China and I graduated online. And um, this in last August, uh, my partner and I decided to move out of China. So we came to Egypt. <clears throat> and your partner is not Chinese, right? You said he's French? Yeah, he's, he's French. So you guys have been together since uh, since China or since Russia? Since China, actually, um, we started dating during pandemic. So yeah, so we met in my city. He was working in my city. Very cool. Um, do you so? Is there a lot of, uh, I guess, Western presence in, in in your city or in the cities that you lived in China? I'm just curious because I've never been to China. I know it's so big. There's so many different cities. I even met a girl from from Croatia who was in Wuhan when this whole thing uh, started to happen. Right. And I was like, there was people from Croatia and Wuhan. Like, so can you break it down yeah. for me? Like what, uh, what's China like when it comes to people going there to study or work? Oh, of course. So um, a lot of Chinese, um, so a lot, I would say these days there are a lot of foreigners in China and I, um, there used to be a lot more, but I think because of COVID there are a few, there are a bit less, but um most of the foreigners are in big cities like, you know, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, all those big cities. But in where I come from, it's a very, very, very small city. So by the time I was, well, like, well, let's say five years ago, there were probably around 20 foreigners there. But now because of COVID, there were like a two, three, four foreigners. And that's about it. So it's a very small city. I know small, <clears throat> small in Chinese standards isn't usually small, but how many sure. millions of people, how many hundred thousands or millions of, uh, millions of people live in your city? Ew, I haven't really looked, but I would say probably like three million, two million to three million, but that's a very small <clears throat> city in China. Yeah, no, I was going to say even in, yeah. in by the same standards, <laughs> that is a very small city in China. Okay, I see. Um, so then you started, you, you decided to leave China with your, with your partner and what was your next step? So basically we were just, um, I wanted to learn Arabic. So I was like, I would really like to, 
uh, continue learning Arabic. And I, I was thinking either move to Jordan or Egypt. And then we both decided on Egypt. So we just moved here. And so how long, how many months have you been in? And uh, I think Alexandria is where you've been living, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have been here since the end of August. So it's about six, six months. Yeah. Okay. And you've been able to, like, do you, are you able to sustain yourself financially through savings or you're still going through school or your, your partner? How did you guys figure out how to move to Egypt and, and be able to sustain yourselves financially? Well, so my partner worked in China for a long time and he has got decent amount of savings. So that's enough for, for him to support himself, even though, well, he's still working as well. He's working online as a, a teacher. And I myself also work online as a Chinese, English and Russian teacher. So I work while I am not studying. And also you have been to Egypt yourself. So you know that it's a very cheap country so everything is um quite affordable so yeah yeah uh, that's very that's very cool um well i mean it makes me sad because you know you're in egypt and and once you get that that sense of like arabic culture you want to see more and more and you want to start to compare I, I remember like i only had my imagination before I, like i went into the arab uh north african countries and the first country I visited was Tunisia in uh, June of last year. So I was in Europe and oh, wow. I usually travel and I let my, my excitement guide me. So I will either think about a map or look at a map and go, okay, where do I want to go? That excites me. Okay. Maybe I could go to Africa, but ooh, maybe I can go here. And, and I would just know, like, I'll get a feeling of overwhelming excitement. Like, and that's the next, like, the destination that I, that I usually go for. I was yeah. in Europe and I was like, I want to go into the Arab world. I really want to see how those people live. I, I want to know everything about it. What country should I go for to first? I knew Morocco was there. I knew Egypt. I knew, uh, you know, I could go to Jordan, but then I was like, I want to go to one. I don't really hear about much. So Tunisia. And I knew nothing. I kid you not. I barely knew anything about this country before. I just knew it was there. And I decided to kind of blindly go. I didn't look up any pictures. I didn't look up any information. I just went, all right, how do I get there? I was in Paris and I know that, you know, there's a lot of Tunisians in, in, in France. So there's like, and, and honestly, Tunisia is so close to Europe in terms of flight time. It's only yeah. two hours away. So it was an easy flight to find. And I was in Paris. I flew to Tunis, the capital. And I honestly, now that I can look back and compare it to a lot more countries, because at the time I went and I loved it. The people were nice, um, more English speakers than I expected, um, good weather, good food. And I thought, okay, maybe I was just happy because it was my first time going to an Arabic country. No, looking back, I, I still think it's a very special country. And I just went back recently again, uh, just you know, yeah. to emphasize, right? So it's so sad to hear that, and and I guess we don't, and and maybe I'm I'm putting this opinion, and I don't know if you share it with me, but it's it's sad that like one person can ruin the entire reputation of a country for someone, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about the country? Has it affected your way of thinking, or do you just you kind of know it's one guy, and, and and it doesn't have to do with the rest? Yeah, well, I definitely don't think. Um 
Tunisia or like Tunisian people are like those officials, you know, like I definitely don't think so. They're completely two different things. And um, like these days I've been writing my story, posting my stories on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, all the social medias that I could. And I am receiving a lot of comments from Tunisian people that I don't know, never met before. And they've been saying, we're really sorry and we feel ashamed that this happened to you and how our officials are treating foreigners, right? And a lot of them, they even went on the official website to find the proof that Chinese citizens actually don't need a visa and send it to me. They were like, you were right the whole time. It's them. They fucked it up. Um, so they have been saying a lot of things to cheer me up, cheer me up. So no, I definitely don't think this is what Tunisia is like. And this is definitely, um, what people should expect from Tunisia. Cause from my knowledge that, um, Tunisian people are very nice and welcoming and hospitable because I went to Tunisia in order to visit some friends of mine. And while I was stuck in Tunisian airport, one of my friends from Tunis, she was like, is everything okay? What do I, what can I do to help you? She, went, came, she even came all the way to the airport just to ask if she can get me out, what she can do for me. You know, like, this is too much. Like, I never even expected this from her. So, no, I would say Tunisian people are very nice people. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's when you see people's, like, true colors. You know, I can go and have a good time, have no issues, and you're going to come out of the country thinking, oh, everybody's so nice, but it's in the times of, you know, difficulty and who shows up and who doesn't that you that you really see. And it's it's good to know that, you know, people were there for you during that, dur dur uh, during that time. I don't think we finished the story, though. So you were there. The Indian um, tourists went up and, and asked, give me one reason. Then they gave you that whole horrible reason. So what, what unfolded for the next however many hours? Well, so basically we just didn't have any water and food because um, he didn't allow us to get any water and food. And we were just there chatting and waiting. And then we were just like really pissed off at the fact that he said we were there for, to steal their job, you know, because <laughs> one of the Indian guys, he has a permanent residency in France and a decent job. And another one lives in at the Emirates also has a decent job. And we're like, how, like, uh, what possibly reason that you can think of that we're here to steal your jobs it just doesn't make any sense to us uh but then meanwhile while we're there we also met some other people so apparently there are some students from Senegal they came to Tunisia to study but however I think something went wrong with their visa or they need a visa I don't remember what exact situation was um, they, they weren't, uh, they weren't allowed in, but then they called up their school in Tunisia. They just abandoned them. They did not return to their calls and they just left them at the airport. And by the time we met them, they were already at the airport for three days. Oh, oh my gosh. I can't believe that. That's, I mean, yeah. I, you know, what hurts the most hearing this and obviously being like the person experiencing it is not giving a being given a legitimate reason so for you like you know they give you a kind of a reason but that's not that's not really explaining the, the rules and regulations of why they did things but then for and now being in senegal and seeing like you can feel poverty in these sub-saharan countries you know as i make my way down i see I, you feel it and and people are moving to Morocco to find a job or moving to Mauritania to find a job. And Mauritania is not doing too well either. They're just scrambling. And, 
to have students show up to have in the thing that hurts me is their dream you know you have this as you're going there yeah okay i have my visa i have a school that's gonna back me up yeah. i'm showing up and you're not thinking something's gonna go wrong maybe you're a little bit nervous and then to get there and number one have your dream taken away number two give no explanation and number three be stuck somewhere for three days like yeah, and yeah. do did they give them food and water how did they manage well so as far as what i know that if they're stuck at the airport for a long time the airport gives them one or two bottles of water per day and two pieces of bread and that's it so one that's piece of bread in the morning and another piece of bread in the app um in the evening and that's all they get and the worst thing is because those senegalese students they seem to be very young i assume they're probably not even 20 years old probably their first time abroad you know and they were so scared and they called their fathers and the father wanted to talk to the immigration officer so he handed the phone to the officer and the officer was like no i don't want to talk to your father and it's like these these are just kids they don't know anything they don't know how to defend themselves in life let alone in a foreign country in front of a random yeah. immigration guy yeah yeah exactly exactly and they have no idea what's going to happen to them either they don't know whether they're going back home they don't know whether they're going to spend another night at the airport you know and but later on you know like i realized they're not even the worst we met two two guys from mali they had been there for a week I, I just, and, and it's such a, because what I, what I get, the, the sense that I get from the, the Arabic culture is the sharing, right? Everything is done in a circle and here's my piece of bread. I'll tear off a, a little bit for you. I don't know why that doesn't transfer over in like the most basic ways in this sort of place. Okay. Hey guys, we're not going to let you in. Can't disclose the reasons why, but you know, here's some food. Like, that I I know they can get food. I mean, come on, there's no excuse anywhere in the world, unless you're in yeah. the middle of absolutely nowhere and there's no food around, to not give somebody food, and and yeah. and make them make them suffer. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I'm trying to find the word. I, I know the word better in Spanish, but it's an evil way to handle things, and it, and it just it hurts to hear. It, it's 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 uncomfortable it, to to hear. It does. It does. At the beginning, I was feeling really sad. I was crying for myself. But then after meeting them, I felt really sorry for them. And I, I was like crying for them. I was like, how could they treat people like this? This is unbelievable. They're just kids. Like, what have they done wrong that they deserve to be treated this way? You know, of course, of course, they can turn around to you and say like, oh, we're not stopping you from eating food. You can still give us money and buy food. But I'm sorry, who can afford a bottle of water for five euros? I'm pretty sure those kids from Senegal can't. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you know, like, were you able to stay in touch with some of these uh, people? And do you know if they finally made it out? Well, unfortunately, I do not have contact with them. But I remember that this group of uh, tourists from Ivory Coast, they made out uh, of the airport a couple of days after I arrived. Um, so I think they were at the airport for less than a day and just waiting. Um, and then um, those Senegalese kids, they also left as well. But then, um, and then also those two Indian passengers made out because I am still in touch with them. But I remember in the morning, we were just about to board our plane. They send more groups of people in. 
and God knows how long they're going to be waiting because there are people from there are people from Senegal again there are there are people from Gambia and there are people from like so many different countries just here to travel you know thinking that they're going to spend two two weeks in Tunisia but then no no they're going to be sent back and they don't even know when they'll be sent back so yeah yeah I think that you know part of my inspiration for for starting this this podcast is um you know immigration is a fascinating subject to me and you know i i know like mali is going through a crisis they have these countries especially here in west africa that i'm, I'm more familiar with now and, and i'm kind of listening because you know how it is in latin america you're in colombia but you hear things about peru and venezuela you know near neighboring countries you hear about neighboring countries here in senegal and mauritania and yeah burkina faso is going through it guinea bissau is going through it mali's going through it and what going what going through it means is humanitarian crisis you know people with no jobs and just stricken in poverty they have to leave and tunisia is not equipped to receive immig immigrants and and i actually did a, a very very um deep analysis and, and search of uh tunisian immigration while i was there because as i visit each country i just start digging deep into you know because we always focus on immigration from now or 20 years ago well, what about 100 years ago? What was happening then? And let's see how it's changed. In Tunisia, Italians were going to work to, in Tunisia. Now it's Tunisians going to Italy. But it's like this, yeah. this chain effect, this domino effect of people yeah. looking just, just to work and, and to have a better life, right? <clears throat> well, there's other cases. Unfortunately, I did find people in different countries that join mafias and gangs in other countries. But we will leave that example for another day the regular civilian who just wants to make it through the day is going and leaving their, their country to find somewhere to go. And yeah, Tunisia, one of the things that I, that I searched and, and found out was they're just not really in place to make any immigration laws because they've never really had immigration. So when uh, Libya had their war, they were like, what do we do? Like there's a bunch of Libyans coming into our country now. Uh, when Syria had a war, same thing. And it was like, they, they have these new immigration laws. And mm. I think maybe that is why I don't think this is why, but maybe like, that's the sort of situation you ran into. You ran into a country where immigration to them is maybe like a new, a newer concept because they're kind of like, they're on the, on the they're kind of a stop to Italy, uh, to Europe. And mm. I don't know if you're aware, but I'm sure you are. Like there's so many immigrants that you know, cross the, the 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 sea, the Mediterranean Sea, to 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 get to 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 mainland Europe, and they usually do it through Morocco, but Tunisia is mm. not far far behind, and so a lot of sub-Saharan African people will get there, except they don't really go there to stay in Tunisia. They they really go there to to risk uh, their lives and, and try to cross the ocean. Um, yeah. But it, it's it's unfortunate to hear what happened to you. And um, did you? ever find out like possibly why i mean are you ever are you, are you ever going to be allowed to visit well well the thing is i can still go visit if i get a visa right like i can still like okay. here in egypt get a visa and visit but the problem is i think that's exactly like what you said right they don't want any more immigrants in their country anymore so um anyone like uh, in sub-saharan countries they're considered immigrants in tunisia um, and also I've heard before, like in Libya, Italy had been giving Italian like army or like 
local army like certain amount of money to keep their immigrant uh, to keep uh, Libyans inside of Libya so yeah. that they do not cross the Mediterranean Sea to go to Italy you know maybe they have certain deals with Tunisia as well I haven't done my research so I, I'm not very sure however um, I don't understand why China and India are in the list as well because um, we're so far away and again I don't I don't see any reason for us to go to Tunisia to find a job and stay there to <laughs> smuggle ourselves in like I honestly don't you know so and but also like while I was um, at the airport I kept calling Chinese embassy and I I didn't get to be in touch with them because nobody picked up and then I came back to Egypt I sent them an email and thank god they replied to me yesterday they said um I actually do need a visa to visit Tunisia Mm. I, they said that I do. They said because of COVID, um, they, they want Chinese tourists to have a visa to go visit Tunisia. However, I Googled again. I did not find that information anywhere because mm. so far everywhere I've seen in either English, Chinese, Russian, uh, French, Arabic, you know, it all says that I do not need a visa for Tunisia. However, the embassy, they sent me a link to a page. And at the end of this page, there's a tiny little line. It says that um, Chinese citizens need to prepare for a visa before visiting Tunisia during COVID time. And I did not see this. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people who went there did not see this either. You would think they would just put it as the title like why i don't know why that sort of information is like hidden from uh, putting like minuscule letters you know i don't understand so i mentioned it to the embassy as well i was like please m please make it as a title so yeah. that more chinese people could see and also like uh, tell um i don't know maybe make changes to wikipedia as well and definitely let tunisian government know so that they do not put it on their official web page saying that we don't need a visa anymore you know because this is wrong information and uh, they said yeah yeah they will make changes but i mean i doubt they will but that's what they said right well you can explain that as being the reason why you weren't let in but not for the other people you know you can't oh, get course. away with you can't get away with explaining or, or finding an excuse for that because it, it, it is you and then there's the Senegalese kids, the Indian tourists. And I think I was, I called my Tunisian friend the other day when I saw your post and no, nobody could believe it. I couldn't believe it as I was reading it. And what I told her during our conversation was, it sucks that you treated that way because you're there like me who went and had a good time. I promote Tunisia like it's the biggest, the best thing since sliced bread. I talk beautiful things about the country, the people. I've promoted them on my social media. I will continue to do so. And that's the best thing that could happen to a country. If, if you, like it's happening to Colombia where we had our dark times in the 80s. You know, we still had a lot of war and drugs. We've always had war, but it just... The, the tourism industry had not hit in, in the 90s and then social media hit and then they start posting pictures of Medellin and Salento and all these beautiful places in Colombia and everybody starts going everyone that I know that has visited my country absolutely loves it and I feel like the reputation of my country let alone the tourism the people who, who, who are uh, there and, and, and make a living off tourism which if you look at a lot of countries GDPs 
it's tourism, you know? Tourism is a huge, huge industry to sustain an entire country's economy. And if you can, if you can become, a, you know, a, a go-to nation like Tunisia is not, if you can become that, people will flood and and you know and, and treat your country well and, and and talk about it, and more and more money will come in. Maybe maybe the the the, the immigration guy gets a raise because the, the country is is doing better, the economy is getting higher, and. Uh, that is what I was talking to, uh, 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 talking about to my friend. I was like, that, 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 that sucks that people might hear this story and, and like, then be like, man, Tunisia, like, uh, I don't know. And they've had a few, you know, terrorist attacks in the past 10 years. And, but it is a beautiful nation. And it sucks that they, they can't think of it as like, hey, we could be a big t- tourism industry here. And things yeah. like this is, is going to ruin it, you know? Sure. Well, I doubt that it's going to ruin it, you know, <clears throat> because who's going to listen to our words? I mean, you got you into never know. Tunisia. Here's the thing. Yeah. You never know. This You've been posting everywhere. I'm going to post this because this is the exact subject that I like to cover. You never know what the internet is, is where it's going to send it out to you and who's going to listen to it. Um, yeah. So, sure. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just really, I just really hope that most people can read my story and, you know, listen to our conversation today, because I really want the rest of the world to know, because I feel like, um, you know, like those African kids that I met at the airport, I don't feel like they're going to be able to actually tell the story, you know, and maybe they might not even tell the story, maybe because they're scared of not being able to go back to Tunisia again, you know, like, and I feel like I, I need to I need to do this. I really feel like that I do. And also, like you got into Tunisia um, because you're an American citizen, right? And your word matters. They want to hear good. They want to hear good things about Tunisia uh, from an American person, from a European, from a Westerner. You know, their words matter. But uh, beautiful words from. A Malian person, beautiful words from Senegalese person. They don't need that. You know what I mean? They need tourist words to bring more tourists um, from Europe, from a country where they can actually afford to stay in five star hotels. You know, like they don't need tourists from developing countries. I, I mean, I, at least that's how I feel. Having said that, right, we can focus on the on the African uh, immigrants, but Chinese people are rich, Indian people are rich. Uh, you know, there's people with money from these countries that, that go and visit. And that's why, as you explained, you found it odd that they thought, hey, an, an Indian and a Chinese are going to come and take your, your job. Like, eh, like you, like you said, it, we're pretty far away, you know, and there's other other places I could have immigrated to, to, to yeah. do that, say to that, do that very thing. So no, but you're absolutely right. Um, when you said I'm a, I'm a, I'm a American citizen, and I've never used my Colombian passport anywhere because I haven't needed to. I think the only country that I can use it for that would give me a better chance to get in. In fact, uh, not not a requirement for visa is Russia. But I haven't really put Russia on my list, um, and during any of my travels, I have thought about going, but man with what's going on now and who knows what's going to unfold later i I, i'm not going to visit anytime soon but that would be the only country that my colombian passport allows me to to enter without a visa while for american uh, citizens i would need to get a a visa like with three months in advance but i i Mm -hmm. wonder how different my experience in travel would have been 
if I yeah. depended on my Colombian passport. Yeah, yeah, like um, passport privilege is a real thing and it really exists. And it's really unfair, you know, like I was at the airport with other people and just thinking how this piece of paper can just change people's life like this. It can change people's life drastically like this. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Um, so you were able to uh, make it out. Like, did they? So they purchased your ticket out of the of that facility, out of the airport, and uh, back to Egypt. Yeah. So basically, our flight was at eleven fifty. They they told us in advance that we will be the first passengers to board the plane, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting. It was eleven thirty, and they weren't giving our passport back. We're like, when can we go? We're gonna be late. He was like, wait a second, I will go with you. So one of the officials said that we're like, hold on, you're not gonna give our passport back to us. You're gonna walk with us as if we were criminals. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And we were even thinking that we could enter the terminal, have like, you know, breakfast and have a coffee there or something. But no, we're not going to get that. Um, he's going to, you know, escort us all the way onto the plane. And, That's crazy. Um, so, yeah. so like people were looking yeah. at you guys as, as if you did something wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we did board the plane um, as first passengers for sure. But then okay. we got on the plane and they took our bags away and they were like, no, 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 I want to take my bag on the plane because I, I came here with it. And they were like, no, 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 you can't. We're going to have to take your bag away. Or we're like, no, I've got my stuff in it. They were like, okay, take your stuff out and we're going to take your bag away. Um, so I took my my electronic devices out and they took our bags away and they were sent to the bottom of the plane so and then I started talking to people I was like okay what's going on we still do not have our passport we don't know what we, we, no one's here to tell us what's going on right we're really worried and they just ignored us and people this this was Egypt air and the people there were all Egyptians already and they were like okay tell us please tell us what's going on and nobody was talking everybody was like they're speaking Arabic to each other and I just I just suddenly lost it because I wasn't eating well sleeping well drink drinking well for like 24 hours and I just completely lost it and I, sh I started shouting screaming at them and crying mm. I was, I was, I just completely, I had a breakdown because I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I was like, um, and I was just have you, really have, like- Have you, by the way, have you ever done that in any situation in your life? Never in public like that. This is crazy now that I think about it. Never have I ever in my life, you know, like, no, no, no. But I started, yeah, I started like screaming at them. I was like, why is no one talking to us? Why are we still treated as animals? We're not criminals. We're not animals. We're human beings. Could anybody please just come and talk to us and tell us what's going on? And <clears throat> where is our passport? And they saw me screaming and crying and uh, they were all like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. Everything is going to be okay. They said, you won't be a problem. They said, by the time you land in Cairo, you're going to have to go to like deportation departments, sign something, but that's about it. Nothing, nothing more. And then you got back into Egypt and uh, I know that you've been staying in Egypt for a few months. How are you managing to, um, to stay there legally? Oh, I because uh, I study Arabic here in the university, so I have a student visa. Oh, okay. So you're a student uh, visa holder. Okay. I wasn't sure if yeah. you just kept, I think, 
um, you can stay there as a tourist for up to like six months. Is it? I don't know. I, I know. I know yeah. there's like a thirty day visa, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You can apply for residency here for six months. So yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for for telling us your story. Um, so in its entirety, it was what twenty four to thirty hours, and from when you left all the way until when uh you you were safely exactly. returned. It was actually 24 hours, like literally exact 24 hours. So you, you couldn't, you had to sleep there, right? Like you just stayed awake. You, you, you had to sleep or you couldn't sleep. Oh, I, I slept for a bit, but I slept for like two, three hours. I think that's about it. But yeah, I saw some people didn't get to sleep at all. Well, I hope that um, in the future you, you're able to uh, get that visa and, and kind of erase this, this experience from, from your memory. Um, but I think it's a very powerful story, um, especially like you said, uh, when it comes to the other people who don't have a voice. So I, th I think it's great that you're able to, um, you know, put this out there. Um, I don't know who's going to listen to this. I'd, like I said, that's kind of the, the lottery of the Internet. But I, I do think that like an American telling the story with, you know, a Chinese counterpart and through this media, like we'll get somewhere and it'll stay on the Internet as well. And. And I hope that, you know, it gets to, um, to the, to their officials. And, and um, I mean, look, I, I think I understand not letting people into a country for no reason. Right. I don't condone it. I, I mean, I'm not an official. I don't know how these things work, but I understand. I'm like, okay, to a country, you don't have to give me a reason, but like treat people with like the littlest amount of respect, give them water, give them food. Honestly, just treat them like you would treat your mom and your brother i don't know why yeah. human beings can't do that people yeah. we treat each other as strangers oh but hey that you know it's it's like every time i think about when a man commits a uh, a, a bad act against a woman i'm like you realize that somebody's mom like just think about that right there you're that could happen to your mom and you're doing that to another woman and it's like people yeah. don't think like that enough and and in your situation it's like like if somebody came to your door, like starving or just dying of thirst, is, is there not something in you? Like does your job just overtake you and make you become somebody else? Do you, I think these people take their jobs so seriously. Like I'm an immigration official. I must enforce it. Like <clears throat> you're human. And yeah, I just, just crazy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, this is insane. Like, I, I was sitting there looking at them and thinking, like, um, you know, like, why are you like this? Why are you behaving like this as well? And, um, oh, there's like a short story. I'll just say here very quickly. So one of the tourists from um, Ivory Coast was on the phone talking to his friend very angrily. Well, I mean, of course he was because he was going to be deported, right? He was like shouting on the phone. And one of the officers saw him being on the phone shouting and he came to him. He's like, are you making fun of me? Is that what you're doing? Are you talking shit about me? Is that what you're trying to do? You watch. And then he went back to the office, took his passport out and gave it to the police. He's like, yeah, you want to laugh at me? This is something that you have to pay for. Oh, so he's, oh my gosh. Yeah. I think he was doing that to scare him and then to delay his flight. Yeah, just fear tactics. And literally just because it, it makes me put into perspective when I landed in Mauritania I was like it's weird like I'm, I'm uh, it, not 
you when you think of an airport, you think of this kind of safe place in a way. There's food, somewhere you can sit, you have Wi-Fi. But I've heard horror stories, and some airports don't look like airports. They look like bus stations. Like you're right. in there, there's an entry, there's an exit, and immigration is in the middle. Uh, and when I landed in Mauritania, it was a decent airport, but a very, very small. It's also super far away from the city. So I realized that as I was leaving the airport, I'm like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> like, this is in the middle of nowhere. Um, but the immigration guy treated me with such respect. Like he, like, yeah. you know, guys were like pretty straight faced. Okay. Uh, Mauritanian citizen here. All, all other citizens here. Where are you from? And obviously in like broken English, broken French, whatever. Oh, I'm American. And like, oh, okay. Yeah, you go over there. And then the guy treated me with such respect, like, oh, how are you? Are you coming from Mauritania? Smiling. I'm like, this guy's smiling. You know how hard it is to get a smile out of yeah. these people? <laughs> and yeah. that's when I realized American privilege, man. They treat us so damn well. But by the same token, man, how they treat other countries is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, no, they're racist. Um, yeah, I'm so sad to say, but like, they're racist. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for telling us your story. Um, and um, like I was saying previously, I hope that you get, get the opportunity to to visit. Um, it is a very, very wonderful country. Um, it's I love the capital city, Tunis. Uh, very clean, big open road, good weather. Uh, you know, there's so many things to do there. And um, I, I hope that you have the opportunity to go there one day. And I wish you nothing but uh, success in, in your student endeavors. And I hope to run into you uh, during one of my travel trips. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me today, Sam. And thank you so much for doing this for me as well, because I really, really need people to hear this story because I don't want people to make the same mistake again in the future because nobody deserves to be treated this way and nobody should be tortured by people like that. So thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for listening and um, stay tuned for the next episode.